We are happy to have Corey back in the studio today. He has been a world traveler for the last couple months, and we'll talk about that today. But the Lord has brought him back here, and I'm going to share hear some testimonies that even through this time of busyness in his life, the Lord has continued to bless others through him. It's been one year since Restore Gospel podcast came into existence last June. So we are happy to all of you that have been listening and they've given feedback and hopefully today we'll answer some more uh, questions and things that have come up in response to uh, some of our listeners. So join us and hope it continues to be a blessing as we press on into this next year. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. Corey, I'm glad you're back today. Um, it's been a long time. We've had several episodes that were pre-recorded, but you and I haven't done this in a couple of months. So I know you've been out. I can't out. believe it's been that long. <laughs> <laughs> Tell, uh, so you, you know, the COVID-19 thing put a lot of stuff on hold. And then once things started to open up, you just got swarmed with business, didn't you? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's just been uh, really rushed now for nothing happening really for March and April, then uh, May and June, every all that work plus everything else got compressed into it. So busy times, but uh, finally can breathe a little bit again. I know you said you only in the last six weeks probably only had what one day off, and that's this today? is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Yeah, right. Six so. weeks of working straight. Not only that, but you like you've traveled from Houston to Trenton to uh, Joplin. Uh, yeah, to, I'll just yeah, some somewhere every day and trying to manage you know three or four projects. And I'm you know, I work as a contractor, so to speak, and so it's. I've got different customers. It's not just like one one company that I work for. So uh, unfortunately, about five different people all just said, hey, we're ready for you now. And they wanted mm-hmm. all that uh, done at the same time. So yeah, it's been busy, but the Lord's been good. Well, you know, uh, we haven't even talked since the most recent um, breakdown in society. The virus was the big news. And then, of course, we've had uh, civil unrest and um, you know, with the uh, uh, African-American population and the death of one of their members. And, you know, all of this has risen back up with looting and violence. And um, it's been a real hard on a lot of people. I know I had to remove Facebook from my phone because I was just so bombarded with everything all mm-hmm. the time. So I took it off my phone and I, I check it very sporadically in the evening for messages and things. But it's everywhere and, and the anger and the, it's just, you can just feel the country bubbling over, you know, as the time of the Gentiles just certainly mm-hmm. seems to be fulfilled. And we are witnessing prophecy unfolding right in front of us, I think. I mean, the, the love of men waxing cold. Cold, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. even as we seek for solutions and as people cry out for, um, you know, reform and solutions. We know the prophecies say the love of men will wax cold. And so we shouldn't quit fighting for equality and justice, but we should also know that there will be no peace without the righteousness of Christ in his kingdom. And Mm so man is going to come up with solutions. And I'm noticing in society, we just want everything to be okay more and more, whether it's the virus, we don't want any deaths. You know, we don't want to open up until everybody's completely safe and, 
I don't know if we expect that there's never going to be another uh, black man killed by police. That's an unrealistic expectation. You know, uh, as much as we strive, there's imperfections in the world and not to belittle any of that, but it's going to happen again and people are going to want things to be perfect. And there is no perfection. You know, the sins of men and police and, and, and the citizens and the friction, it's all going to remain and mm-hmm. it's going to continue to get worse until Christ's kingdom reigns here on earth. So yeah, as, as long as we live in this fallen world, there's going to be fallen things that, yeah. that happen around us. Well, you know, Corey, one of the great pains for me is that I work in the inner city every day and I go into homes of people of different races and ethnicities and I have such good relations with them and I feel they do with me. And there's a love and respect there. And I've made some mm. really close people. You know, I've been invited over to dinner and breakfast mm-hmm. and let me make you breakfast mm-hmm. and, and hug mm-hmm. them in their homes. And so when I see society acting this way, I think it's the extremes that, and certainly there are injustices that happen, but it's it's just sad that it then becomes, you know, it gets all the news and everything. Um, but, you know, you also have had some great, testimonies and you shared real quickly with me and I wanted you to share today's a message of hope and how the Lord even mm. in this time of busyness used you um, to be a blessing to others um, and the interaction you had why don't you tell us about that well sure I, I appreciate you asking you know it's the the work part's been busy but you know still just dealing there's a lot of emotional and uh, personal issues that have been weighing on me and uh, you know we all go through those seasons of life there's there's things in our life that sometimes can feel frustrating. And sometimes you wonder, God, are you still there? Are you still listening? And it was about a week ago, I suppose I had one of these moments, uh, a lot of things just kind of heavy on me with the work schedule and life issues. And I was asked to share a sermon last week, uh, last minute by our, our, our pastor. And, and I'm always glad to do it. I never, I never want to say, no, I can't because I have to. There's only been one time I can think of where I've turned it down because I literally was out of town when I asked, but I was planning to go out of town and I was planning to, to drive down to Texas. And then the pastor called a couple of days before and then for work, I was going down there for work. I uh, just texted and said, Hey, we, we somehow didn't get this Sunday filled. He's, he didn't realize there was five Sundays in the month of May rather than four. And so he said, would you mind helping out? And I, I'm always happy to, you know, uh, even on short notice, it's, um, it's something I enjoy. I enjoy preparing word, but it was the, the timing of it was such that because he asked, I was just about to say, you know what, I'm heading out of town Sunday uh, I don't even like to travel on Sunday, but I had to for this for this reason. Anyhow, I got I decided in that moment. Well, I I, I don't want to say no, so I'm I'm going to fly down instead. And I arranged a flight, but it was you know in the early afternoon after church, and so um, I hadn't planned on doing that. So my schedule after the trip was also going to be busy. I was literally going to get back, flying down Sunday to work all day Monday to get back Monday night around 11 o'clock, then to have to be at another customer in Northern Missouri by like seven the next morning. And I was thinking about all these things. So on my way to the airport Sunday, I was low on gas. And I thought, I'm going to go get some gas because I don't want to have to fill up at 1130 that night because I still had another hour to drive to where I needed to be for the next morning once I got home. And then as I pull up to this quick trip, I realized, you know what? It's Sunday. I'm not going to buy gas. I just try not to buy things on Sunday. And I, I but and I use a restroom and I came out, but I thought, 
you know, I don't have any cash at all. And I, I don't normally worry about that when I travel on business because I've got a credit card and a debit card and one of the two always works and it's just easier to account for things if I don't use cash anyhow. So I don't usually worry about having cash. Well, there's one other little element of this too. I also never check a bag because I try to get flights that are always direct to where I need to go. And even if I've got to make a plane change, I'll, I just carry minimal things. But I had some computer stuff. I had my hard hat and all these things. And I, and I took a suitcase and I, I did two things. I, I stopped and got a little bit of cash on the way to the airport, which I only got $40. And, and I decided to check my bag too, because now with the COVID thing, the direct flights to Kansas city to Houston, they just weren't there. And so I'm building up all this for, for a reason. So I was going to have to make a plane change, which I normally never do on my way to Houston. And I thought, Oh, I'm just going to check my bag. And so I got $40 of cash at the ATM. I decided not to buy gas, but I stopped at this ATM instead. And then I, I get to uh, the airport and, and everything's fine. And I make my plane change. And I finally get on the next flight and I get off the airplane in Houston. And um, as I'm waiting there, the bags haven't uh, come yet to the uh, baggage claim. So I thought, well, I better use the restroom because I got to go drive now to my customer site. And it was already late at night. And I came out of the restroom. And as I was just standing there waiting for the bags, there was a man next to me and older than me. And uh, he was being, um, I was just, you know, he kind of doing his own thing, charging his phone. And I was just kind of waiting for bags. And then all of a sudden, <clears> he just kind of moves a little closer. He goes, sir, he said, this is going to sound really funny, but he said, I, I haven't eaten today. And he said, I don't have any money. He said, I've been in the hospital and my daughter just um, wanted me to come stay with her down here. And so she got me a ticket and everything, but I'm, I'm just wondering. And it wasn't like a homeless person coming to me on the street. There's just a man, an older, older gentleman who just got off the airplane. And I had this cash, which I normally may not have ever had. And, and I just reached my wallet and said, Hey, could this help you? And, and I gave him $20 and, you know, he was, thankful almost to the point of tears, but this voice in my head just prompted me to ask if he needs more. And, and I, and, and he was thanking me and I said, could you use more? And he goes, oh man, if you could, he said, then I know I could, you know, at least make sure I have something in it for the next couple of days. And so I gave him the other 20 and, and he was so, and, and I didn't even really need it, but I just felt prompted to tell him this. And then, you know, that morning I had kind of started the day in a little bit of self-pity feeling like, you know, Lord, and I really literally prayed this because I was thinking, Lord, there's so many times in scriptures when you send an angel to, to encourage someone or to counsel them or to give them guidance. And it was, it wasn't like I was saying, Lord, would you send an angel? But it was like one of these moments where you just want to know God's there, you know, just, just feel like, you know, if I could just feel a touch of your hand somehow. And as I'm standing there, this, this gentleman says, you know, now, I don't know the Bible that well, but he begins to quote these beautiful scriptures and he starts telling me how to never lose hope. And and he and he's it's like all of a sudden I had this friend who put their arm around me in a in a spiritual sense and starts telling me all the things I wanted to hear from God. And he said, um, when I saw you come out of the bathroom, he said, I felt God's spirit rest on me and say, Go ask that man to help you. Mm-hmm. And he he came over, 
you know, and, and, and then he said, and then you came over and stood right next to me. And, and then as so as we're standing there, um, he's, he's just telling me these beautiful words of hope. And he didn't know why I needed to hear that, but I just did. And then as, um, as we're talking, he was explaining his situation, which was all genuine. This wasn't some contrived thing to try to get money out of someone in the airport. He told me how he had been, his health had been poor. He had been in the hospital. He, he was, came from Los Angeles here. His daughter was going to come pick him up, but he had nothing. And, and, um, but she had provided the ticket for him and he didn't know how he was going to get home and he didn't know what he was going to do about his health. And as he's telling me this, God's spirit rests on me in a way that I just hadn't felt for a long time, much more powerful than the sermon I had, I'd gotten through that morning. Uh, and, and just simply these words, tell him be anxious for nothing. And as he's sharing for, you know, several minutes, telling me scriptures and Bible verses and giving me hope, um, I said, you know, there's also a Bible verse that says, be anxious for nothing. And, and he looks and he, he looks up and he, almost, he like throws his arms up in the air like, oh my gosh, there's one of these things. And he says, that's the second time I've heard that today now. And, and he said, and I know God brought you to me to tell me that. Wow. And, and so... So he was like, you know, wanting my name and number. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I want to send you this money back as soon as I get some money. And I'm like, no, no, no. I said, you know, you, you pay me back by you help the next person when they need help, you help them. You know, and I was, it wasn't about the money. I, I just realized that God had sent this person here and, and we were there mutually for each other, you know, in our time of need. And, and this is life, I guess, in, in God's playbook. This is how it works out. He, he gives us each other when we're hurting. And so, like, I I didn't, my bag came out on the carousel and I didn't even want to get it because I didn't want to stop talking to him. But we kind of came to a, a natural point where it was good to shake hands and say goodbye. And he, he said something to me that he said, you know, um, God made us of different races, but you know, God made us both with a purpose. And when we, mm. when we serve each other, we're fulfilling God's purpose. <laughs> this is quoting King Benjamin, you know, this guy's telling me this. So right? he wasn't a white man. No, no, no. Uh -uh. And, um, and so, uh, as, as, um, as we shook hands and departed, it was, it was joyful, you know, in this, in this moment, I grabbed my bag and I jump on this rental car bus and, uh, to take me out to the rental car lot. And there's only me and another guy waiting as passengers and the bus driver's distracted and he's texting or something. About I'm not in any hurry. You know, it didn't bother me if you need to take care of a text. And then as if he was talking to everyone and no one in particular, the bus driver just announces, I'm sorry, there's just a hard situation going on in my family. Um, and I got to get a lawyer and I got to do this. And, he, and here's the bus driver just telling us passengers, this is, as you know, here is 11 o'clock at night or whatever. <laughs> and, 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 um, and in the same moment, the same spirit touches me again and said, tell him be anxious for nothing. And here I'm sitting at the back of this rental car bus and he's telling the story. And, and I finally said, you know, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. And he stops, he throws his hands up. He almost brings the rental car bus to a stop. And he goes, I can't believe a passenger just told me this. He said, God, he said, this is exactly what I needed to hear. You know, this guy's <laughs> telling me this. And, uh, and the other passenger on the bus, he's, he's nodding and everything like a green. And, and he said, this is exactly what I needed to hear. So it was just kind of funny. And that, and that's kind of the end of it all. But I, I just sort of feel that, you know, there are times when 
God uses the simple things in profound ways and brings us peace and lets us know through that assurance that he's, he's there with us. It's interesting that that happened after, you know, your prayer time with the Lord that morning and mm-hmm. just your simple request to him. Yeah. And, and the way he blessed you was by allowing you also to bless others and wrapped that into that. Yeah. 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 You know, we, we don't know his purposes. And, and, you know, so often when we read Scripture, the New Testament, you know, we, we lose the perspective that most of these stories and, and chapters we have were written by people who were in jail. You know, they, were, they, were, they were suffering, you know, they were having hard times. And, and sometimes it's for that very reason that it brings us in a closer way to God. You know? mm. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad you're back and able to share that with us, especially with everything going on in the country. Mm-hmm. That here's an example of two men of different races, you know, that are just helping one another and sharing the spirit of the Lord with each other. Yeah. It's like I gave him the means for physical food. He gave me the means for spiritual food. And we were both blessed, you know, by God in that moment. I, uh, as I told you, I, you know, I had to delete Facebook and especially with, you know, everything going on and everybody's opinions. And it was just, I was seeing things that were making me angry every day. And I woke up one morning and just immediately, you know, frustrated knowing that, you know, it's weird to go out into the city and drive down the streets that you see on the news the night before that are, you know, inflamed with so many angry people and police and conflict you know i know right where it's at in the city and here i am the next day driving down that street and Mm -hmm. it's sunny in the morning the birds are out and people are walking and it's like what a weird Mm -hmm. turn you know Mm -hmm. and so i was thinking and i'd been listening to uh i've been listening to some things on the radio uh, about stories in jesus time and these thoughts came to me about the people of jerusalem and the jews you know, they had been free, they had been back to their homeland and free, and then slowly been occupied by the Romans, and there was so much injustice. And they would, you know, they would bring all of their crops in and pay their, they would they would harvest their crops, and they would get all the money from that, and then they would have to go and pay taxes on it. And sometimes the taxes were so great that they couldn't, you know, they wouldn't have enough money to plant their next crop or even to get by for the year. Mm. And so now they're enslaved to the government and they're, um, having to take out loans at high interest and, and losing their lands and having to sell their lands. And, and this was a society that they were, you know, part of at that time. And many of them were looking for deliverance from this oppressive government, from this injustice, from the way they were treated by the authorities, the Romans and everything. And, and um, here comes this man on the scene that's, preaching this new way of life, a completely upside-down way of life, a completely upside-down way of thinking, the kingdom of God. And he's telling them, don't fight against your oppressors. Don't don't try to uh, lash out. You know, if someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Um, if, you're, if you're asked to carry a cloak one mile, go two, you know. And that was so many things that, you know, this eye for an eye and this tooth for a tooth and this payback, you know, tit for tat and vengeance was 
told to be done away with. And there was uh, many of them in their society. They called they were called the zealots. I think there's one in the Bible, if it's Simon the Zealot. Or, zealous for the law, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. And they were zealous to overthrow the government. And there were different groups that they said, you know, would, you know, here and there, different people from these families would disappear and like, well, where'd they go? They were going up into the hills, joining these these groups that wanted to fight and overthrow the government and oh, start turmoil. Yeah, okay. And so, sure enough, <clears throat> Jesus comes and tells them how to act and how to bring the kingdom of God and how to bring freedom eventually, how to have freedom and how to have peace. And it was this upside-down way of life that just seemed, well, that's never going to work. You know, we need a king to come and deliver us and overthrow the injustice. And, you know, and even his disciples, you know, when people would would go against them, bring down fire from heaven and destroy these people, mm. you know, that are acting unrighteous. Mm. Because that's that's probably in their history. The only way they ever saw, you know, uh, evil vanquished was someone had yeah. to come in and overthrow it. Yeah. 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 And through all of this, you know, Jesus told him, no, this is how you bring the kingdom and have peace. And yet there were Jews that were just because of the racial injustice, because of their suffering, they wanted to lash out. And so they started fighting and opposing the government. And there was this mm-hmm. big conflict. Mm-hmm. And what happened? They were completely uh, wiped out of their city and taken captive. And Jerusalem was overthrown and the temple was tore down. Mm-hmm. And they've suffered ever since then until the last you know, hundred within the last hundred years mm. where they were brought back and allowed to exist in their homeland again for thousands of years. You know, that's an interesting point you make, Mike, because this parallels our day and, and it parallels every generation of humanity in that, you know, when you look at the mass population of people, the majority of people think, well, hey, if, if we're going to have happiness, we'll you know, it, it always comes back to something in the physical. You, we've got to change these laws or you've got to give us money or you've got to do something. That, and then you have this kind of false sense that because the, the government does something, then everyone's going to be happy. But I was reading this morning in that verse we love, Nephi's Psalm, Second uh, Nephi chapter 3 in the RLDS version. And, and he puts his finger on the pulse of this. He talks about the enemy of his soul and how the enemy of his soul isn't vanquished until that enemy has no more place in his heart. And and everything Jesus was saying that you mentioned, hey, here's this new guy, come with this new thing, you'll love your enemies instead of hating them, bless those that curse you, um, go two miles instead of one. All those new ideas were the things that change your heart. And that's what he was teaching. Hey, if you want world peace, You've got to, your heart has to change. And this, it isn't going to be just some new law got put in effect or everyone gets a check for $2,000 or, you know, all these things that are our our ideas. Jesus was speaking to the things that will make an eternal consequence. And a friend sent me a text uh, with a, a little video clip put out by the LDS Church just recently, and it was beautiful. It was in this time of strife. And, and it comes to, it's, it's, there's not a lot of words to it, but it's simply that, you know, all the problems, all the suffering, all the injustice that is here right now won't be resolved. And then it says, until we are one. And it, and it then quotes a scripture about, you know, if we're gods, we need to be one. And, and it's true, you know, but we can't be one until our heart changes. Yeah, that's, that's the key. And people will try to force oneness and talk about it and make 
programs and things, but yeah, through but, laws, right? Mm-hmm. But when people's hearts are not there, and it's both sides, you know, it's the authority, it's the people that are con- constantly conflicting with them, causing their hearts to be hard, you know. Yeah, those in authority positions aren't superhuman, and I watch them sit there and people right up in their face, yelling and throwing urine on them and cussing, and it's like you think this is going to help the next time? It's mm-hmm. not. It's just they're people and we're all people. And I get the, I get it. People want things to be okay. They want things to be fair and just And my only, I think what bothers me the most over that is I see every part of society now calling for this. And yet it's going to try to happen outside of Jesus and his kingdom. And I, I don't expect any other that with this sinful world and, and when you've got Hollywood and everybody backing it that are mm. putting out the most vile, disgusting garbage mm-hmm. and they're the ones calling for justice, is it, is this really going to go about in a healthy uh, <laughs> Christian way? Of course not. Of course it's, not. No. So, Well, it's interesting is I haven't kept up with the news for days. And last weekend when I was waiting there at the baggage claim in Houston, um, I really did not know what was going on with with all these things. I, I had heard an inkling, but as I was in the airport, I overheard people talking about. Um, someone said, "Well, are you going to be able to get home? Because that's right where the the riots are happening. They got to drive through some area." And, I, and then I didn't realize how widespread it was. Those people were going to Chicago or whatever, and I'd heard some stuff there. But then I, I didn't realize it was going on everywhere, Kansas City and and all these different cities. But as all those you know, things were being set on fire and for racial motives. I thought I looked back on it and realized, and here are two men who are total strangers in the airport of, you know, black and white, uh, found a bond in brotherly love and kindness. And, and, you know, that was stronger than any of the evil. And that's the, you know, that's the love in our hearts when those uh, forces are gain strength, that's what ultimately overcomes evil. I think it's First Nephi 7 somewhere in there. It describes a point when Satan is vanquished. And Nephi writes these words. He says, And because of the righteousness of the saints, Satan has no power. You know, and isn't that interesting that it, it'll ultimately, and it's not because we have the righteousness within ourselves, but it's because when our heart finally changes, when we, when we are committed to that way of life, that Jesus describes where, you know, we won't speak evil of our neighbor and we will love our neighbor as ourself. And we, we adopt those attitudes. That's when Satan's vanquished. Um, while you were gone, Corey, I got a, um, a voicemail on a text from a sister from, uh, that's been listening to our podcast. They're having a little study group and I wanted to share this with you and get your insight. Um, she was wanting us to maybe talk about this and I told her you were out of town, but now you're back. And mm-hmm. it was funny cause I texted you a quick question. I knew you were busy. And as I was talking to her, I, uh, and answering her, you sent me a text message with the same line of thinking that I was, um, speaking to her with or about. So here, here's what she was asking. Um, she was asking about, we kind of mentioned in passing, and this is a while back, they're on some earlier episodes, that God created all things, including evil. And they had, uh, I, th- I don't know if it was a disagreement or they didn't understand that quite the same. So um, I wanted to ask you, 
expound on that. Expound on that. If did God create evil or did God uh, say because that I even was talking with another friend and he said that means that God's not a perfect God that he would create a being that he knew was going to have eternal torment, that that would be a, a, a mean thing to do or a bad thing to do if you're an all-loving God knowing that was going to happen. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I like that. It's something that even a couple months ago I probably would have, uh, oh, I don't know. I, I would have wanted to kind of squirm away from that because um, it, it isn't in, it isn't obvious to us because of how we're brought up in um, not just the church, but in Western civilization and our views of God and Christianity. Um, in the more recent months, having tried to start understanding some of the the Hebrew understandings and the, the ways of thinking, um, you know, we talked about it recently, how, hey, you hold the pencil up and the Westerners see it as this yellow thing, eight inches long with, a, with an eraser on the end. And the Eastern mind looks at it and they don't see the object. They see the purpose. They say, oh, that writes, writes words and erases them. So this way of thinking that goes into the scriptures plays into the answer I want to give to that. And it comes back to God being one. Um, when when we read that scripture, you know, hey, the Lord our God is one God. Well, that's the scripture that sucks the air out of the room in, in our restoration circles anymore. You know, the oxygen's suddenly gone if you read that one because people take sides. And, and I'm building this up for a reason. In that scripture, we take it to mean, well, is it one person or is it three people? And people debate that. Well, the answer in the was that the Hebrews didn't go in that direction at all. They They saw God as justice and mercy. They saw one, they saw unity from him, and that's literally what the scripture meant. God is one in terms, he's unified, he's balanced. And and the the scriptures, just to look at that, to, to start in the answer, say, it's interesting that, that they say God created um, good and evil. And God's, I have Isaiah here. Yeah, read here. that. So Isaiah 45 um, right around verse 12, or actually verse 7, says this. This is uh, the Lord speaking. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Yeah, now, besides that being beautiful Hebrew parallelisms, you know, the light contrasted to the darkness, the good contrasted to the evil. we got to be careful. I you know, just from all of our discussions, immediately when you sent me this scripture and I, I said, I didn't know, it actually says I created evil. My first thought was, this is our English language. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I thought back to the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, where, where they say, "Deliver, you know, lead us not into temptation. Right. Well, we know the Lord wouldn't lead them into temptation. That was a way of speaking, like, deliver us from. And I, I disbelieve when, when this says, I make peace and create evil— that doesn't mean that he, you know, rubbed his fingers together and poof, and there was this evil being. I think it means by setting this law of righteousness before us in this way of being, out of necessity, there is a, a propensity to have evil, and that would be by going against the Lord's plan for 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 thriving and flourishing and being in His loving presence. Right, right. And the Book of Mormon clearly points that out in so many <laughs> ways, but it's such a long theological. It wasn't easy to answer in a text, so. Yeah, and so, you know, it, again, the first thing is the, the Book of Mormon really answers these questions in that, you know, when Lehi is telling his family about God, 
in the story of Adam and Eve, he, he doesn't just start off with Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. He, he talks about the fact that God created an opposition and God created an opposition to all things. And the tree of life was in opposition to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even in the garden. And this garden represents, you know, the universe and God's creation in its, in a sense, but that how, if, hey, if there wasn't a law, there couldn't be a penalty. If there wasn't a law, there couldn't be a, a reward. And, and so these things were all in opposition. And so when it says God created sin and evil, does God want us to be evil? Did God, you know, is God really sneaky and it's got this dark side to him? No, that's not what it means. It means that God created everything and there's a balance. And the whole purpose of life is our agency to choose in the middle of that balance. We're on the balance. Are we going to choose the dark or choose the right. light? Let me read from Second Nephi 1, and this is from what, what I sent uh, to her. For there is a God, Second Nephi 1, 95, For there is a God, and he hath created all things, both the heavens and the earth, and all things that in them is. That's, we talked about that Hebrew yep. because they viewed that as one. Yes. So that's why it's a correct, it's not a dummy. that couldn't. Heaven and earth were seen as one yeah. entity together, right? All things that in them is, both things to act and to be acted upon. And 97 says, and to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man, which we know is to bring about the, the uh, eternal life of man. Mm-hmm. After that he had created our first parents... And so to bring about the purposes of men, there has to be more than just two. There has to be a way for all the souls of men to be able to experience uh, what he's intended for them. After that he had created our first parents and the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and in fine all things which are created, it must needs be that there was an opposition. In all things. Even the forbidden fruit in opposition to the tree of life. Just so they think Corey wasn't... Was it making, making that, that one up, right? The one being sweet and the other bitter. Wherefore, the Lord God gave unto man that he should act for himself. And there, I think, is the potential. If we want to say God created evil, he created the potential for man to be evil by disobeying him. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's what it is. It's like not, none of this life or world caught, caught God off surprise. And by that's, surprise, that's you know? a key right there. It's like... It wasn't like he he had this perfect plan and said, "Oh man, they took the wrong fruit. We got to Satan time botched out. it up, yeah. right? Everybody plan out B. of the pool. We got to <laughs> quick, quick, get them away from the other tree. Oh, there they go. No, it was. I love that. He, he it says it must needs be from the beginning. God knows all things. He knows how it was going to turn out, but we we didn't. We don't know, and so. Here he is. He sets this thing in play so that there can be an opposition or a choice. Mm-hmm. And now, as we continue on in this chapter, and then we'll speak about, we can speak to this. I just want to read this as the story goes on in verse 111, 2 Nephi 1. Now behold, if Adam had not transgressed, if and otherwise, if he hadn't become evil, which if we want to define evil as going against the perfect will of God, mm-hmm. anything less than that is, is evil. Behold, if Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen. That's another way of saying he became evil. He fell. Uh he would have remained in the Garden of Eden. And all things which were created must have remained in the same state which they were. After they were created, they must have remained forever and had no end. No death, no trees dying, no animals dying, no bloodshed. But, 
and it goes on, verse 113, they would have had no children. Wherefore, they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy. Yes. And that's what man is created for, joy. And joy only comes from being in the presence of your creator. Not only that, but let's read what else joy comes from. For they knew no misery. You have to know misery. You have to fall in order to have joy. That's And that's where people say, how can a loving God be this way? I I can't argue that any more based than this basic philosophy right here. We, we can't ask that question, how can a loving God? That's like saying, how was God always, always, how was God always? Yeah. Well, yeah. because that's the way it is, and that's the nature. To know joy, you have to know misery. And that's one of the most basic things you have to exercise faith in. You know, this is... Uh, so, well, let, let me read one more uh, verse. Yeah, yeah. Me, uh, he says... They would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery. Doing no good, for they knew no sin. They couldn't do good, and that's where joy comes from, right? Choosing his his ways. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. So it didn't take him by surprise. Exactly. And here's the one that I've used this verse so much in my life. Adam fell that men might be. And men are that they might have joy. It's so poetic. Mm -hmm. Adam fell that men might be. And men are that they might have joy. In other words, did did God make Adam fall? No, but he set everything up that Adam could fall and knew that he would fall. So in that sense, did God create evil? Well, he created the way for, for men to know misery, to fall, and to become evil. And by so doing, to have joy and to have complete happiness and eternal life with him. Yeah. Every one of those words shows so much depth of, you know, just the, the Hebrew part of it, you know, the parallelisms, the the light, the dark, the life, the death, and, and even the final destination of man is either to be in God's kingdom or to be cast out. Right. And, and this is why it starts here in the beginning, because there's an opposition. If there is an eternal plan of salvation, there's also an eternal plan of, of punishment. Those are the those are right. the parallels, and all this leads to that. And and so God, you know, does is God, you know, the scripture says, for instance, you know, God doesn't tempt man. You know, so people think, well, God's not doing anything evil. It's all Satan. Well, it's like God created this environment, and we're in it. And and what's interesting about it is another word, the the word author. You can what's um, a couple scriptures. And this is a total contrast, but Moroni says this in Moroni 6, um, pe- people who were baptized, it's referring to them, but it says that their names were taken, they were remembered, nourished by the good word of God to keep them in the right way, to keep them continually watchful into prayer, relying alone on the merits of Christ, who was the author and finisher of their faith. So Christ is the author of our faith. In other words, you know, the path back to him. He's he's written the plan for the path back to him. But what's interesting is that word author is used also to describe Satan in the total opposite. In Helaman, it talks about Satan who had uh, put in the heart of Gadianton to become evil. That's the context. But it says in Helaman 2, 156, Satan, he is the author of all sin. And he doth carry on his work of darkness and secret murder and all these things and generation to generation to get a hold on the hearts of the children of men. Well, what's interesting is Jesus, on one hand, is called the author of our faith. 
And Satan is called the author of sin. And and it's not like Satan created evil. That's not what it means. It's like he's written the playbook for which sin can draw us away from God. Jesus has written the playbook for by which you know it can draw us back to eternal life. And they and it's like they're both authors of a path, in mm-hmm. if you will. And but it's all the same. It's like here here the world's out there. Satan's written this play this uh this um you know uh this thing to mislead us, to draw us away. And and Jesus has come and written this plan of truth to show us the way. And so, you know, that's that's what it comes down to when when Satan is the author of sin. Well, he didn't invent sin. It just meant he's the one who's manipulated the dark side of all creation to turn us from the creator. Yeah, and I like how they attach the word faith to that. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, uh, Everything that we expect, that we hope for, that we think but we can't prove has to do with him. And and there's another scripture. I love that phrase. There, I, I didn't realize that was there because I'm used to attaching that phrase to. It says, uh, relying wholly upon the merits. Well, there's another you, scripture that says. I think you're referring to Hebrew, right? Uh, let, let me read it. It's Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set up before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God. Is that yeah, the one? But, no, but that's that's actually ties in good. I was thinking of the scripture in the Book of Mormon that says, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Oh, yeah. And, so, and then you read it, relying wholly on the merits of the author and finisher of our faith, right? All right. So he is mighty to save. His plan is mighty to save. Um the beginning and the end, all of our faith has to go into Jesus, which, again, I think we have another question, but we'll probably get to this in the next episode, um, about eternal life and how how can we rely completely and totally on the merits of him who is mighty to save and then say that we can be saved but never be with him. And that is why there's a disjunction in the way we've taught eternal life, in, in my opinion, and it just really, uh, just I think, just takes the feet right out of the Savior as far as him being mighty to save. Mm. And also damages our faith then, I think, or doesn't allow us to have the correct faith and hope in someone, exactly. you know, and leads to all other kinds of problems. But we'll get to that. So, what, so, um, so did God. Well, we know Satan in the fullness of the gospel. We have a little more information on him. We we went over this in uh, what what was restored, but he was a he was a son of the morning, a bright star, which is which was also referred to as Jesus being that bright star. Um, and then Satan's referred to as a lion devouring, and and Jesus is referred to as a lion of Judah who will come and mm. devour all evil. Mm. And yet Satan's the lion that's trying to devour our souls, and there's these parallels. But he didn't start out. God didn't say, now that I've created all of these beautiful things, I'm going to create this ugly monster that's going to go out and, and kill and, and hurt everybody. He, I have to believe, and we don't, we don't know this for sure, but in my limited knowledge that he was created with the same, if, if God's equal and loving to everyone, he had to have the same choices set before him. And I don't know how Satan decided to be tempted if he was the first person. That's just, <laughs> we get into things that are so uh, theological, right? Right. We, 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 
we talk about them, but do we, how can you understand and comprehend? Yeah. And I, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know that the scripture really gives us any depth Mm -hmm. there and we can always guess and conjecture. Um, But we we can put our faith in this. There has to be an opposition in all things. And we have to know misery to have joy. And that's just a law like gravity is a law to this world. And that's Mm -hmm. the way God operates. And, and, you can only question that so far. Um, it says, if there's no happy righteousness, so if we shall say there's no sin, there's no righteousness. And if there's no righteousness, there's no happiness. If there's no righteousness or happiness, then there's no punishment or misery. And if these things are not, there is no God. Yeah. You know, scoffers like to point a finger at Christians and say, well, if you're God, you know, if there was a God, for instance, or if you believe in this God or Jesus and all these things, if, if he was so loving, then why is there so much evil in the world? And then they, they assume that's a question you can't answer because, well, yeah, I don't know. But, but here's the Book of Mormon again. Restored, it, it, plain it, and precious. All this, all this truth is, is evident now. And these are the things, by golly, we should have been teaching and go ye and teach, you know, but, it, but this whole, because our generation could have been better prepared for this, I guess I've, is what I'm getting at. I, I took philosophy classes in college that, to go along with my criminal justice degree. I mean, like three or four levels up. I don't know why we had to take so much, but this sounds just like the best philosophers when they would theologically well, lay out, well, lay this is out. this, this is this, and this is why. I mean, this is genius. It and is this genius. This is not in the Bible plain and precious like this. No, I mean, no, no. If it's you like, are not, then there's no God. It sounds just like Descartes, like all of the best. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, it, exactly. You know, if, if this was a musical composition, this would be like a Mozart symphony because mm-hmm. it's so well orchestrated and, and presented. Yes. And it's, it's so this whole question people throw out, the scoffers throw out about, well, if there was a loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? It's like, you don't, we don't have to even accept the premise of that question because it's, it's wrong to begin with. Because if you understand this, what the Book of Mormon is clearly laying out, as you point out, Mike, that the whole the whole underlying reason for this existence is that God wants to save us from this. And everything that he's doing and done is because if he didn't intervene and step in by his grace, this would be reality forever. And then we'd be dead and never with him again. It's like, no, he's saying this is an ugly, evil world and bad things will happen even to good people. And that's the consequence of a fallen state. And I'm here to save you from this. It's not like, Oh, everything was just good. And you know, I'm just allowing bad things to happen. No, that's not it at all he's he, he he's wanting to wake us up to the fact that there's such a brighter more powerful reality and this isn't it yeah i am here to draw you to me in the midst of all of this blackness and sadness and evil and darkness i am drawing you to me i am asking you to respond and um and i'm giving you these words that are so plain that if there was an evil and, and so when you ask how can a loving god allow all these evil things to happen you say if there weren't these evil things you wouldn't exist and <laughs> the world wouldn't exist and there would be nothing there yes it's so tied together and it's like because if the world wasn't evil you never would have been born you never would have had potential to have joy right. so let's so how do we have joy you have to know misery, and you have to choose righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. Nothing else will fill that. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, this is this would stand any professor. I mean, this this needs to be side by side in philosophy, philosophy class books. Of, yeah, because of the, and everyone else, right? Yeah, it's just it's wonderful. Uh, 
Golly. It, it really provides the balance. You know, this is also, um, I, I don't know, I guess train of thought that's you're okay not, you're gonna have to pause. Well, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read the rest of this yeah go ahead i'm gonna continue so if there's no righteousness or happiness there's no punishment nor misery and if these things are not there is no god and if there is no god we are not neither the earth for there could have been no creation of things to act or to be acted upon wherefore all things must have vanished away so when someone, you say, if there was, if there's no evil, then poof, we're all gone right now. Right. Everything. Everything. And so this whole existence, you know, the people wonder, like you brought up, well, how is it that Satan fell and, and all this? And, and I'm, I'm going to quote my, I'm going to, I'm not going to quote, I mean, I'm going to preface this by saying, this is totally my idea because I don't think there's anything in scripture that supports it, but I've wondered the same thing. And how is it that Satan not only fell, but supposedly took a third of the angels with him, you know, when they've been in God's presence. Now that's scriptural. That's, that's, yeah, that part's scriptural, but the reason for it is never really explained other than that, you know, we, we get this idea, well, he rebelled, but, but how could he take so many with him? And, And again, I think it could be this when he knew that the only plan was that God himself had to step out of eternity and take on flesh like all of the rest and that the propensity to sin is 99.99999 times 10 to the 99th that you're going to sin if you have flesh, right? And that he knew this, that if God sinned, there would be poof, no creation, <laughs> right? This He understood the consequence of this because what God did in taking on flesh was probably the biggest astronomical um what do you call it improbability yeah. of all times that that even god could do that and that's what that shows so much to me that the power of how how consequential sin is and and also the fact that how hard it is to to live a life without sin that we have to have a savior because we couldn't have done it so that god loved us so much it's kind of like you know, Satan must have viewed us as like, you know, ants in an anthill. We weren't worth anything. Why are you going down there for them, right? Mm-hmm. And then must have been able to use a rational, uh, pretty compelling argument to uh, convince everyone else, God's going to do this and there's it's not going to work. Right? He's going to fall. He's going to fall. If he has flesh. Yeah, and this creation, as we know, it's going to all turn into something else. Come join me right now. I mean, that to me might be the reason. It could maybe not. And again, I just want to close that part of it. By saying, <laughs> that's just an idea. I'm not saying it's in scripture, but my gosh, it's um, it's amazing. <laughs> we, we won't ever understand until we're with him how what it meant for him to, to save us, to come down and save us, you know, in yeah. a wretched state. Um, this morning on our morning drive with my son, we turned the music down for a minute. We were listening to Andrew Peterson's um, Is He Worthy? And there's a line in there, you know, that says, Well, God, you know, come come down again and dwell among us. He will. Um, and I, I just stopped the song for a minute. I said, What's that going to be like, buddy, when God comes back to dwell among us? Think of all of the sadness this year so far, all of the fear, you know, not meeting together. What's it going to be like when God comes back to dwell among us? And he didn't think very long. He said, it's either going to be the best day, the thing you always hoped for, or it's going to be the worst day because you're going to, it's the thing you fear the most. Wow. Wow. That's, that's (laughs) insightful. Yeah. Because 
if we are not looking forward to that day and being with him in his spirit now and enjoying that, then that will be a terrible day, you know, mm. when we have other gods before him now. And that's, I think that's the hardest thing for me, Corey, is watching people destroy and hurt one another and not being angry at them and not wanting to take on that spirit that says, God, bring down thunder from heaven and destroy these terrible people that have so much hate and anger. And instead you, you look at them and think, Oh my gosh, what a work for your heart to change and not to become a son of perdition when you're caught up in this wave of violence and anger and hatred towards other people. And how do we have compassion on them? I think it's thinking on, you know, what Weston said this morning, it's going to be the worst day the thing you fear the most, or it's going to be the greatest day. And think how much changing has to take place right now for that to be the greatest day for all of these people that are at odds with one another right now. Mm. Oh. Mm. Well, anything else? Oh, it's just good to be with you again, brother. Good to visit. We are just two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. And we were happy to welcome you back into that conversation today. Uh, I think the message that we end with is needed more so now than ever. Corey, what are we doing? Just walking each other home, brother. Walking each other home. Hopefully we can remember that. Uh, everything going on. Say your prayers. Spend time with your Lord. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>